to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We're here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah Missoni. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I've had a pretty good um, week this week. I saw that you were um, cooking a bunch at home and I saw you use my hatch uh, sesame balsamic sauce. Yeah, we mixed that into some sauce that we served, I think, with crab or I don't even remember what what else was with it. I think there was some meat. I saw some meat on there, maybe some pita bread. Oh, we did a no. Oh, wait. Gosh, I've been cooking so much. I can't remember what it was, <laughs> but we did like falafels and all that stuff. So oh, yeah, that's probably what our dipping sauce was. And it was cool. delicious. Well, thanks. Thanks for supporting me. I think you. That um... was actually my husband. He's like, put the bottle in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Gotta I always love... market for everyone. You know, I know. what I mean? So like I if lo- you have somebody's stuff on your table and you're using it and you post a picture, you should post the stuff you're using so everyone knows how good it is. I know. Well, it's always so nice when people do that. Like, you know, we'll get tagged in things and sometimes a lot of times it's like while we're eating dinner and then we're like, oh, yay, somebody's using our stuff <laughs> on their table. That's so great. Yeah. I'm, I mean, <laughs> I was just thinking back if I've seen any social media for you this week and I don't know that I really have. Have you been busy making sauce? Um, I haven't been busy making sauce, but I've just been busy at home with my family. You know, my um, daughter has been home a couple days sick and uh, I don't even think she was really sick. But, you know, during these times, we just can't be too cautious. So we just kept her home. So then that means, you know, I am not, you know, I have to balance my work in other ways. So I get it. I get it. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, on, it's on the kind grams. of feeling like you don't really want to be out and about right now anyway. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard I'm to working know. from home all week. It just felt oh, like that's what we, yeah. Yeah. Just doing it. Yep. We're all trying to do our best. Well, I'm really excited about our show today. Me too. Uh, I see her on Instagram all the time, actually. I um, just feel really excited that we get to have all these super awesome women from our community come on I know. the show. I We've mean, we've had over a hundred p- women. It's so wild. I feel like every and every time that I get ready and I'm like writing all the things down, all these people are doing, I just get super pumped. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. <laughs> well, I'll um, introduce our guests. So today we are joined by. Robin Wheelwright. Robin is the over- owner of Vivian Kitchen and Pantry, where you can find culinary books, afternoon pastries, natural wine, and a secret bar. Hello, Robin. 
Hi, Sarah and Sarah. Hi there. We're so glad that you could join us today. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, we like our listeners to be able to follow along on your journey. So can you um, give us ways where people can find you on social media? Uh, we are Vivian PDX on Instagram. And um, I think the same thing on Facebook. I, I actually don't utilize the Facebook platform, but I automatically post to it through Instagram. So if you use Instagram, that's the best way. And Facebook would be the second and then we don't do the other socials. That's perfect. That's, that'll get them there. Yeah. And our, our website is VivianPDX.com. So just kind of VivianPDX all around. Perfect. And um, let's kind of start at the beginning. So tell us about um, the name Vivian. Why is your uh, place named that? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. I should tell you the spelling because uh, there's a lot of ways to spell Vivian. So it's V-I-V-I-E-N-N-E. So two of each letter. It's the French spelling and it is uh, it is the idea of a grandmother. I like to call it my grandmother because when I um, first was opening the restaurant, I wanted a, kind of an old timey name and I wanted it to fit sort of the the experience, the feeling that I wanted to give you. So, uh, so Vivian is, uh, my fictitious grandma. Perfect. <laughs> I never knew that, but I love it. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> she even has a portrait. So when you come into the shop, you can, you see this portrait that matches that idea and she's, she's beautiful. So come and see her. It's like Betty Crocker. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Was Betty That's Crocker nice. a real person or no? No, they had uh, originally, I think they did have a competition for somebody to fill that spot. And then they've updated her image over time. Yeah. But it's never been a real person. <laughs> sort of like the pop and fresh doughboy. He he's not real either. Not real. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I didn't know those things. But, Robin, what sparked your interest to open your shop? Well, uh you know, we were a, a breakfast and lunch restaurant for like almost five years, four and a half years when the pandemic hit. And uh, I just had, you know, that was one thing. And that's like a whole other story that we don't want to talk about really in this podcast, because now I'm uh, we're Portland's Culinary Bookstore, which um, kind of came about because of the pandemic. You know, I was a about a year and when when we got to like last February, which was over a year into the pandemic and things really weren't changing, I was like, you know, I've got to change something. One, the business just wasn't like making money and I'm, you know, don't want to like live in a tent or something, you know, so I uh, kind of needed to change the business and um, I noticed, you know, a lot of cities have culinary bookstores. Portland doesn't right now. Um, uh, Powell's Home and Garden closed. So we kind of have like a need for that. And I thought that it would be um, a great way to kind of get people back into my space and to kind of grow and uh, learn around food through books. And so um, I feel like I'm getting a little caught up in this answer, but what was the question? <laughs> I actually, actually, I went on your website and I counted how many books you have on your website. Do you know how many you have? Uh, probably like 250 or so titles. 287. 
Oh, I, I was going to say 250 to three. And then there's like, there's some used books in the store that you're not going to see on the website. So um, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty curated collection. It's a pretty small store. So we kind of, we can't have everything and just building a bookstore from nothing, you know, it's going to take some time to kind of build the collection, but I I've, think that's an awesome collection. It's a yeah. really great. Journey. Do you know what? I have a bunch of used cookbooks. Can I bring them to you? Are you interested in them? I am. And then bring them to me. Oh, cool! I have some really weird old ones too. That's awesome. To see what you have. I think uh, okay. one of the things I'm getting into now that the bookstore is open is that um, you know there's so many cool old books, and there's there's thousands and like tens of thousands of cookbooks and I don't love them all but there's quite a few that are just like so delightful and there's just there's such a universality about around food and uh it's such a bonding experience for people and it involves so many like so much history because we a lot of times learn it from our families so I just yeah I think that uh, digging into those archives is really special. So yeah, bring me your old books. Let's see what you've cool. got. Okay. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, my original question was just when you started. And so just for our listeners to kind of give the backstory. So first you started as um you know, more of a breakfast, lunch shop. You had to make this change. Now you're more of a culinary bookstore, but you also still offer some of the things that you had before, correct? Like you have some um, afternoon pastries is what it's listed as on the site. Yeah, well, we open at noon, so everything's going to be in the afternoon for us, and I am doing uh, some baking. It was important to me to still, like, to not give up everything that I had, like, built entirely and to... Um, to keep people coming to me because they had, you know, built their trust in that, in the old Vivian. <laughs> and uh, I'm so glad this is not on um, video because I'm watching myself on video. It's funny. <laughs> they're just, they're just going to hear your voice. No one's going to, I know. I didn't want to give up, you know, everything. And so I retained, we were already selling wine and we were doing uh, some takeaway pantry pantry things like bake at home biscuits and cookies and bake at home mac and cheese and bone broth and um, just, you know, quite a few things that were adapted for the pandemic. So I wanted to retain some of that, but I really, you know, the focus is we are, uh, you know, Portland's culinary bookstore. So I, the business, the primary business is selling books, but I'm always, uh, I have a pastry case full of things that I make and we're a two woman show at Vivian right now. And, you know, I'm doing like all of the baking for you. So it's, it's charming. It's like, you know, it's not a restaurant anymore. It's not a cafe anymore, but it is a place where we have a kitchen and we make food and it's good. And we have, uh, you know, I've got some underlying goals in this business and it's really uh, focused around like food sovereignty, food sustainability, um, really like tapping into our bioregion and how we eat. And I think that this bookstore is sort of like a connecting point where we can all meet and we can, you know, learn to be more self-reliant when it comes to food. Because we are picks and we're better. Those are awesome goals. Yeah, they are. And I love that. I mean, I, I really 
love that you saw that there was a need for a culinary bookstore in Portland because there definitely was. I mean, we used to have Powell's, um, you know, they had a, a kitchen. I can't even remember what they called it specifically, a kitchen and um, garden was that on bookstore. It was, but it, it's been gone for a while. For a and while. so, you know, we're such a culinary city and it's strange that there isn't or there hasn't been a culinary bookstore, but it's great that you have filled that need for us. It's yeah, exciting. You figured it out. Uh, I want to tell people where you're located in case they haven't been there. So um, tell me where you are. Sarah hasn't been there. Sarah, <laughs> what, are you, what are you waiting for? I'm in my books. Uh, on Sandy Boulevard, right next door to the Hollywood Theater at 41st Avenue. So um, right in the heart of Hollywood. And if you see the Hollywood Theater, we're literally right next to the box office. So you might not see us, but there's a great landmark that you can um, find us by. Yeah, that's great. What made you choose the Hollywood neighborhood when you first opened there? Um, well, it was an opportunity, really. I was um, I wanted to open a, a little cafe and a friend of mine was running a coffee shop there and I kept hitting him up to do like a brunch pop up, which had he accepted would have totally failed, but he didn't accept. And he asked if I wanted to take over his lease. And I had like six weeks to put together my plan and I did it, but I had been prepping for it for a couple of years, just kind of like knowing that that was what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, like we had, um, old uh, wood and metal school chairs from high schools in Portland that I had bought at the rebuilding center, like before I had the restaurant and I had already bought like my reach in refrigerator at, you know, from somebody on Craigslist who was liquidating a catering company and I had been buying dishes and, you know, I was kind of like, I just, yeah, I was quite determined. I would say. What did you do before you had the restaurant? Um, I, I wasn't a cook and I wasn't in the restaurant world. I was, um, a zero waste advocate and I worked professionally and I studied in grad school about, um, zero, uh, about waste as a social problem and the concept of zero waste as a, you know, a kind of a theoretical solution. And then branching out from that, looking at like practical solutions to how to get people to recycle and compost and stop using plastic and styrofoam and things like that. So, um, but I was bored in my career and I had an advocate that said, yeah, go, you know, my partner told me, go do this. You should, you know, open your crazy coffee bicycle cart or whatever my like dream was at that minute. And um, yeah, it evolved into wanting to create a certain type of fair in a certain type of place. And uh, yeah, I just, I did it. <laughs> I don't know how I did it, but I did it. That's cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I, um, I didn't know that about your background in history, but now that makes a lot of sense because when you were first doing some takeout, I brought you lots of glass jars because you didn't want to create waste and you couldn't find jars anywhere. And I didn't really put together that that was part of your bigger mission. And then, you know, your background, I didn't know that. I just was like, yeah, I'll bring you some jars. <laughs> I got a bit of information to tell you Metro has a bunch of grant funding right now for zero waste and sustainability projects in Portland. 
So if anyone's interested, you should go right away to their website and check it out. Maybe you can get some money to put something into practice. Yeah, I think they're um, you could do training and education are open through February, the end of or the middle of February, I think. So people are interested, they should apply. Yeah. And I've run, um, because of that background, I've run Vivian as a zero waste restaurant from the inception. Like I've never bought plastic film for that restaurant ever. And I really like minimal use of foil, like almost never. And like when the pandemic hit and everybody switched to takeout, I was like, whoa, because I really, really like I won't serve coffee in disposable cups anymore because like, you know, I don't want to tell people what to do, but I also don't want to produce something that like, if I have to serve you a coffee and something that you have to throw away, then I created that waste, you know? And so, um, so I have to find different solutions and what is the coffee solution? Well, I've only served there serve for here or people couldn't bring their cups which you know has been like I don't know I don't really want to get into whether it's safe to bring your own dishes or not um but or uh, I've been working with GoBox do you know GoBox uh, let, let's tell people about it yeah they're a reusable to go container service so they provide these really great um reusable uh like heavy like I don't remember my plastics anymore like nice HDP plastic like real good reusable plastic with a seal and a little clasp and um, they provide them to restaurants and they pick them up from the restaurant and I'm not explaining it very well but basically it's like an app-based subscriber-based service where like if you have their app and you pay five dollars a year then you can go to new seasons and get a go box at their like little to-go food salad bar thing and uh, then you return it to new seasons and you can check out another one at Vivian and then I can give you your stuff in a in a go box and then you can do it at the food carts, you know, on Hawthorne or all these different vendors participate. Um, but I've actually had a special relationship with GoBox where they um, allow me to pay a fee and I just give them to people because I don't want to have the choice. I don't want to have to convince you to use it. I just want to make the decision that if I'm going to package something for you to go, then I'm going to do it in a way that I think is responsible. And then I tell people like, okay, I'm giving you this. It's returnable. It's reusable. You have to bring it back. And most people don't complain about that or like most people really like that. And occasionally people will be like, well, I'm not going to be able to return it. And then, you know, we'll do something else. I really love that. That's great that you could work that deal out with them. It's a great, um, you know, organization and um, you're really putting a lot of effort out there. I like it. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and I want to hear about this secret bar. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. Tell us about the secret bar. What kind of yummy drinks can we get in the secret bar? Well, the secret bar is 
really something that is uh, that I'm developing right now. So I've kind of ha- I kind of have it set up where you can come in. We have a little two seat bar, um, and you sitting right at the chef's counter. And uh, I haven't rolled it out completely because of the pandemic and because of the surge in the virus and because of the weather. So um, you know all the typical reasons why restaurants haven't been able to operate the way that they would like to right now. So um, when the weather is nicer, I'll have some tables outside and uh, just wine pours, um, maybe some coffee and tea, um, some simple food. Um, But it's really like the secret bar is kind of secret right now. <laughs> I saw the other day you were doing secret, but you can't come. <laughs> I saw the other day you were doing bubbles and brownies. Yeah. So uh, just a couple weeks ago, right before Christmas, I was, we were feeling a little more comfortable. And so I had a little, I had a prefix menu at the bar where you could um, get a glass of wine and then you got your choice of two pastries. And uh, this was at the little two seat bar that I was describing. And that was for fun. And then everybody started getting sick. And so we just, you know, shut that down, but we have the potential for having a secret bar. Yeah. come in for books you should come in for classes and um you know grab a pastry while you're here but don't think of us as the the restaurant bar as much as you do the the bookstore that makes sense um we'll focus on that for now but people can look to it in the future when it's safe to sit at the bar and chat with you and be in your chef counter space yeah, I mean the average price of your books is around 20 to 25 bucks it's it's a nice thing to invest. I mean, what is that? Five cups of coffee. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, but the book lasts and forever. it's reusable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and books are beautiful objects, and uh, I really try to find books that have value and meaning to them, and that are um, formatted in a way that makes sense to the user. So, um, you know, I'm looking for smart books that are going to. Uh, advance us in our goal of being better cooks. I love that. I always like to ask this question and I know it might be, um, it's either easy for people or it's hard, but what do you need from the community right now? Like how can we support you? Uh, That's a good question. Books. I mean, I've been so fortunate that uh, I've gotten a lot of support from the community because I, uh, I did a fundraiser or I'm doing an ongoing fundraiser for the, for the bookstore. Um, and I really see it as a community supported endeavor because I wouldn't have been able to do it without you, but, uh, it's an, it's a very expensive project and, you know, we run on a pretty lean budget. So, um, buying books, buying, um, through our fundraiser, you can buy a book discount for a year or two years where you, um, can get 25% off on any book you buy. So that kind of makes the pricing competitive with Amazon, but you can support a local bookstore by just being a part of that, that bookstore community. Um, and yeah, just, you know, dollars are, are kind of what counts. And um, I hate saying that, but, you know, if you can put your dollars towards something that makes the world or your existence in it um, more livable, then I think that's a good way to, to spend your money. 
Yeah. So everybody go buy books from Vivian. And um, if they want to support your fundraiser, how did they do that? Um, you can go to our website. So vivianpdx.com and then just click on the box that says community supported bookstore, and that will take you to the fundraiser. And then you can select a reward from, um, from all the options. So you can get like a book bag, or you can get a book discount, or you can buy a, a, a mission to one of our uh, cookbook workshops. Um, we also sell electronic gift cards and ship um, domestically. So you can, uh, you can buy things for people who don't live in Portland too. Can we talk about your pastries? Because over the holidays, I made, um, gluten-free croissants and regular croissants. And I just wanted to know, um, did you decide to do your pastries in the afternoon because it just takes so darn long to make pastries? Oh, Sarah, I mean, after getting up early for like every day for for five years, I just wanted to sleep in a little. So. I know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, when you're when I was running the restaurant, I would be up I'm not horrendously early because we weren't like a bakery bakery, but um, always early. And I like to, you know, have some coffee in the morning and do the things I need to do and kind of collect my person before I bring it into the shop. So that's why we do afternoon pastries. And who doesn't want an afternoon pastry? I do. Now tea and cake at four sounds perfect to me. And I also do savory pastries. So, um, so you know, it's a perfect, I think 12 to six is a perfect time for a nice light bite. It is. Yeah. And you also um, do some natural wines that people can come purchase by the bottle, right? Yes. Uh, and can you tell us a little bit about that program and how it's developed and who um, you're working with on it? Yeah, yeah. So who is the exciting part? We work with uh, Dana Frank, who is um, a owner of Bar Norman, um, which is a lovely wine bar on Clinton Street. And she's just the coolest person. She's a uh, she's a cookbook author. Her book, Wine Food, um, is all about like taking the snobbiness out of wine and making it accessible, but um, still being conscientious about, you know, the production methods and, you know, what's going on with uh, said wine. So Dana uh, curates our wine selection and we have how many bottles do we have about 30 or so rotating bottles of small producer uh, wines without you know chemicals and junk added and it's like you know it's another way that we can be a small business and support other small businesses and while I like to support like the local uh, food system and bioregion. I like wines and cheeses from all over the globe. So we get to, you know, kind of live vicariously through wine growers in Croatia or wherever we want. That's so cool. I, I love Bar Norman and Dina. It's if for people that haven't been there, um, her shop's on 26th and Clinton in Southeast. So you should visit her as well. How did that um, partnership start? Are you guys buddies or did you seek her out? 
Yeah, no, we we are friends. And I think we met because she used to come to Vivian when we were at cafe and uh, she and her daughter um, were regulars. And so um, when the pandemic hit, we just I don't know, it just was an idea. Lots of ideas pop into your head when you're trying to figure figure out what to do. And um, we both liked the idea and it was easy. I I love that. If people don't know about um, natural wines, could you just um, like tell us what the difference is between what you have there and maybe what they would find in a grocery store? Well, it's through smaller distributors and smaller producers. And like, you know, the when you're shopping at New Seasons, you're getting like really big wine distributors that are producing wines and, or, or giving you wines, selling you wines that, is, that are made at a scale that is just, I would say, larger than most of the, um, the wines that we're carrying in our shop. So are well, your sulfite free? Uh, I believe there are naturally occurring sulfites, but they're generally additive free. So chemically, chemical free and, um, like really interesting, um, fermentation processes. So like different types of vessels, sometimes like clay amphoras or just, um, like biodynamic farming practices, organic farming practices, um, just kind of taking out the industry from the wine industry and just making wine the way wine was made for centuries. So, um, I don't know if I'm being a little euphemistic in that description, but that's sort of how I think of the difference between big wine and we'll call it little wine. And yeah, I think that, I think your description is, is right on and it's great. I, you know, some people just might not know. And so it's nice. Um, and it's, it's curated by Dana, just like the um, things are in the shop. Um, but you have a really lovely selection. So if people are looking for a nice bottle of wine, they should come hit you up. Everything, everything is good. And we keep our bottles generally under $30. So they're affordable too. So um, we, we interviewed the gal from Pix Patisserie and she enters her bubbly um, champagne collection in a competition every year. Wow. So you should think about entering your collection in a, in the same competition. That would be cool. I'll have to look at what she does. And I just yeah. want to say that New Seasons does have some great wines from small producers. So not to call them out as like being big or something, but they do have a, a larger scale <laughs> than we do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, well, they have a huge selection too. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to you to talk a little bit about your new logo because it's very cool. Oh, we're so lucky. Our dear friend, uh, Emily Winfield Martin is an artist and children's book author and illustrator. And, um, she has a series called naked ladies reading. It has an Instagram account so you can find uh, naked ladies reading. And when she heard we were doing the bookstore, she wanted to make a, make one for us. So, um, so this was her gift to, um, to our new shop and it became our logo and it's so cute. It's a woman reclining. She's prone, um, prone, right? Laying down prone with her legs kicked up behind her. And she's got a little Bob, just like Sarah Marshall, and she's reading The Joy of Cooking and wearing nothing but socks. And it's quite, quite cute. (laughs) That could be me. (laughs) 
I love the joy of cooking. <laughs> I love it too. Maybe we should pose. <laughs> well, it's really great. I like that you used, um, you know, a small artist and it fits in with your business. And it's like the perfect example of finding something that really represents you and what you're doing. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's, she's, she's really special. I feel so lucky. You um, mentioned your uh, turmeric bone broth. Do you still have that? Yeah, I do. I just made some a day or so ago. Uh, yeah, our turmeric coconut bone broth is um, a curative favorite for the masses. It's made from a, a chicken bone broth. And then I use coconut milk and spices to make a really delicious um, kind of warm elixir for you. People like to sip it. And it's also great as a soup base. Yum. Sarah, you have to try it. When you go, you should um, get some. I will try it. It's my favorite. And I just have it in the morning, like for breakfast. When I, um, you know, the last time I was in, I got some from you and I just like sip a little bit in the morning, just heat it up. It's so good. It's like the best, um, you know, morning treat. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it's a little like a golden milk, I I would suppose, but with um, with that, you know, savory collagen from the bones. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we sell it by the court. So come and come and get it. I'm going to get some. And um, you have been hosting events. I'm not sure if you have any right now, but let's tell people about your events so they, they can look them up. So, yeah. So on our website, we have a workshops and events button. Uh, so you can check out everything that's um, on the calendar right now. Um, we have a few things uh, lined up for January and February. And let me tell you about them. So um, <laughs> the first one, you're going to bake a cake. Thank you. This is such an exciting event. It's a 20th Century Cafe, Baking at the 20th Century Cafe, which is the most adorable place in San Francisco that is now closed. But um, it was a beautiful brainchild of pastry chef Michelle Pilzine, and she's actually really great at savory, too. So um, anyway, Michelle made this book and she traveled to Prague and was inspired to make her cafe. And she like kind of went on a quest for this uh, Russian honey cake um, recipe that she had tasted in Prague and then had tasted again in San Francisco and could not find a recipe. But then she found like a Czech YouTube video and like kind of figured it out. And like finally after, you know, 23 attempts, came, you know, had made a cake that um, is now iconic. It's in the New York Times uh, Essential Recipes cookbook. It's in her cookbook. And um, she teaches a, a class for this. I think she, she like, uh, teaches people how to make this cake for a hefty, a hefty fee. Um, <laughs> and she should, because it's a, it's an uh, amazing cake and it's a difficult cake. It has uh, 10 plus layers and it has burnt honey and it has dulce de leche. And, um, it's, you know, a hard cake, but it's also something that she makes accessible through the book. And so on January 29th, I'm doing a workshop and this is what our events are like. Often they, I do cookbook workshops where I pick my favorite cookbooks and then we cook from the book and then you get the book and you go home with like the book and an experience and kind of an intro into why I chose that book as something that I think that, you know, you should have in your kitchen and that 
I want in my own kitchen. So uh, anyway, back to that idea that January 29th, we're going to, um, I'm going to have us all prepped out to make the Russian honey cake. And uh, we're going to go over, there's like 16 steps. So we're going to go over the steps and we're going to talk about them. We're going to bake off some cake layers. We're going to build a cake you get to go home with the cake. I'm going to make knishes from her book. And then I'm also Whoa. tell you about um, why you should have this book. Cause it's a really fabulous book. And I feel like uh, Michelle has all this knowledge that she worked for, for decades. And then she put it in a book and did such a nice meticulous job, uh, you know, a, a type of chef that she is, she does things. She's a technician and she did it for her book. And then now we get it. And uh, it's a scary cake to make, but I think if we do it together, like, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be good. So that's the idea of um, that particular workshop that's coming up on the 29th. And then the consecutive workshops are all some of my favorite books and I'm choosing them because I think that there are things that like offer us something different in the kitchen and in the cookbook world. And it's sort of like an invitation to get into that book with me. I love that. I was um, cool. part of a um, culinary like cookbook club a, a while ago, but my friend Mary ran it and then she moved to Seattle and then it just sort of dissolved. But I think this is a really good alternative to that because you can, um, you know, what I loved about having that group is that I would get books that I, I wouldn't normally get or that I didn't know about because um, other people would choose them and then we would make things from them. And I felt like I always learned new things. And so this is kind of a version of that because it's things that you have chosen and then you have like but a buddy to do it with. And so I, I really love it. I'm excited for your um, events. I'm going to come. Thank you. Please come. And they, you know, the, these cookbook workshops include a class and a book. So uh, if you already have the book, you can still attend the class and I'll just give you credit towards getting another, a different book. So um, that's great. Don't let that stop you if you already own, uh, you know, baking at the 20th century and you want to come make Russian honey cake with me. Are you sold out yet? No, I think there are six seats left. So how many people will be there? A dozen? Uh, 10 is the limit. Okay. Perfect. Well, everyone should go sign up for events so that we can help keep them going. Do you have any advice for people that are currently dreaming up a business? Uh, <laughs> well, what comes to mind is don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it, do it. We want people to do it, but I totally understand why you would say that right now. It is really it's hard right now, really hard and it's really rewarding. And my experience is that the rewarding things in life are always really hard. So no uh, pain, no gain. Yeah, but I think uh, be fluid probably would be good advice because there's a lot of uncertainty and uh, that yes. makes it hard to operate. You know, you're supposed to be planning ahead, but you don't know what's ahead. So um, fluidity, I think, is important and really, uh, you know, there's a lot of change going on. So looking towards what the world will look like and how we can make that world a place we want to be in versus um you know, holding on to what we used to have, because I don't think we really are going to return to exactly like life before the pandemic, you know, I hate saying that, but, you know, 
dining in restaurants is not what it used to be two years ago. I'm pretty certain that not many people would disagree with that. (laughs) Well, I think you've done a a great job of adapting and coming up with something that is needed and necessary and new. And, uh, you know, I hope that this new venture is very successful for you. Me too. Thank you so much. I, I, I also, uh, hope so. And I think it will be, and I really feel like, you know, I definitely have the support of the community over almost 200 people have contributed to our fundraiser campaign and it's an ongoing thing. And even folks who haven't, you know, done that, I know really like this idea. So, um, so yeah, I think Portland is, uh, lucky to have a culinary bookstore and I am so lucky to be the person doing it. I don't know exactly how that happened, but, um, yeah, I really appreciate everybody who thinks it's a good idea because, um, I think it's a super job and I'm super glad to have it. So, (laughs) so thank you. Yeah. Let's let's tell people one more time the best way to support you. How do they come buy things from you? Um, you can come in person and buy books. That's what most people do. But you can also shop online and you can buy e-gift cards. And uh, just buying books is the is the best way to support us. And also, you know, if you can't buy books, but you're interested in cookbooks and you have some that you want to bring us, that's a way to support us. And telling your friends is another way to support us. I mean, not everybody has the money or the space for cookbooks, um, but um, they, there's, you know, just sharing the idea and being excited about it is, is just as valuable. So help, they can help spread the word of your new culinary bookshop in the Hollywood area for sure. Super cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so are you open on the weekends then, Robin? Yeah, we are currently open Thursday through Sunday, 12 to 6, and I'll probably adjust those hours, but because we uh, we opened December 2nd, which is, you know, the busiest time of the year, and then January is the slowest time of the year, so I'm really just trying to gauge what the, you know, what's the average like uh, before I decide what I'm going to set the, the more permanent hours at, but I expect that I'll probably change them a little bit. Like I'm expecting to maybe at least add one more day, but um, I don't want to make any promises until I really see how things play out on the ground. Yeah. And just for our listeners out there, um, you know, Robin, you bring up a, a good point that December is so busy for, for any maker and any business. And then January and February really are, are slow, hard time. So if you do have the ability to um, support small businesses right now, please do, <laughs> especially visiting the bookshop or ordering online or ordering for future um, times. I think with anybody, with any small local business, if you can support them, this is a really great time to do it. Yeah. And with the fundraising rewards, like the book discounts and um, tote bags and gift cards and cooking classes, those are all futures. 
So it's like, you know, if COVID is crazy and you do have the means, you can still support us without having to come in. And we do have a, I think it's worth mentioning, we have a really nice HEPA 13 medical grade UV air filter in our space, which Mm. is a tiny space without a lot of ventilation, but we're able to um, filter it internally with a really good um, system. So that I hope makes people feel a little little more safe. That's great. Yeah. And of course we're all masked up, but uh, yeah, COVID sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, do you have any final questions for Robin? Uh, Do I need to have an appointment to bring cookbooks for you to look at? Nah, we're pretty we're pretty casual and it's usually like not crazy in our store. So, um, so come on in and, um, yeah, shouldn't, shouldn't be an issue anytime. Okay. Perfect. Thank Perfect. you. Well, Robin, we'll both come in and visit the shop soon. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to chat with you. Thank you. Great. Very talk nice. And I can't wait to see your books. Um, Sarah M too. <laughs> we record Missonian Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram and we will be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisher folk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.